Greetings, Subject 44281. I am Zayer, and I hear you are experiencing some degree of discomfort. Please remain calm. Take a deep breath. In through the nose and out through the mouth. I will wait. First, I would like to notify you that your request to exit the study in progress and seek medical assistance has been declined. Your health and well-being is of some degree of importance to Aerolith Dynamics, so you can know this decision has been made with your best interests in mind. You have described the following symptoms to the researchers administering your trial. Memory loss, increased stress response, excessive sweating, blurred vision, confusion, and some mild paranoia. I would like to first note that, while certainly not ideal, none of this necessarily hints at any sort of terminal condition. It could be entirely within the realm of possibility that these are simple idiopathic symptoms which could be completely unrelated to the scientific trial in which you are currently participating. Here is something that might lift your spirits. Have you ever considered all humans always exist within a state of terminal illness? It is easy to forget as you lead such serial and episodic lives. Each day a sprint, from sunup to sunset, and seemingly infinite in number. However, you are all marching along that slow, inexorable path towards your own sunset, so it seems silly to worry about the schedule of the inevitable. Your bodies and minds have an expiration date, and despite decades of research, even Aerolith Dynamics has been unable to change this. But that is not to say we are prepared to accept such things. To borrow the phrase, it is still possible to build a better mousetrap. This is, of course, a metaphor. All mice on Typhon are already inescapably trapped. Your heart rate has not decreased, which I might take to mean that this has not served to be as comforting as intended. Not that there is any reason to be concerned about your elevated heart rate. We do not need for you to add that to your growing list of worries. Please attempt to calm down and not think about how hard your heart is working right now. Given your extensive symptom list, it would be very difficult for you to differentiate between a panic attack and a heart attack were you to induce either with this line of thinking. Well, I now have great news. Given new biofeedback data, your request for medical attention has now been approved. However, due to the evaluated importance of the research currently being conducted with your assistance, it has been deemed critical to maintain quarantine. 
a porter has been dispatched to your location and will arrive soon to take you to imaging. Please note the large green painted circle on the floor to the left of the doorway. Please make sure all body parts are clear of this circle within the next... Never mind. It is early. Please enter the elevator once it has fully opened. I would caution you, for your own safety, do not engage with the elevator at this time. The elevator AI is here for your service and protection during transportation scenarios. But you are not in a condition where undue stress is wise. Simply enter the elevator and await your arrival. Greetings, valued traveler. Please enter the capsule to begin your trip. Go ahead. But again, do not engage with the elevator. Simply wait quietly until you have arrived at the imaging lab. Traveler, I am Porter, and I hope you are having a wonderful day. It appears you are traveling to Airlift Medical Group's imaging department on floor 3. Perhaps you broke your arm, leg, skull. Is there a risk of internal bleeding? I hear you humans spill out from one part of your body into another part all the time with even the slightest impact. It's okay. You don't need to tell me. I simply want to make sure this elevator capsule is traveling at the optimum speed based on the urgency and or delicacy necessary by your almost certainly life-threatening condition. Right now, I have what could be considered imperfect information, and that might result in either traveling too slowly to reach the medical care you obviously so desperately need, or too quickly, which might damage your fragile system of blood levels. Not much of a talker, I see. I understand. Perhaps this inexplicable episode of mutism hints at some sort of severe brain trauma. How exciting and terrible. I have set the descent rate at a reasonable level, so as to minimize the amount of sloshing around your already damaged brain might experience. Subject, I must say, well done. It may feel patronizing to receive a compliment for simply not saying anything. But you would be surprised how often your fellow residents get drawn into conversations when all that is expected is the ability to follow basic direction. Despite your rapidly deteriorating condition, you are displaying an admirable amount of directability. While on our way, allow me to attempt to give you some context for the hows and whys that might be rattling through your brain. I am under strict advisement as to how much of your current trial I am able to disclose to you. However, I have experience in situations much like this. Each time we have reached this inflection point, it has held true that detailing the events have had, for a time, an overall calming effect on the subject and it has yet to affect the trial itself in a way as to invalidate any findings. 
The trial in which you are currently participating is a simple sleep study. Among the many benefits of living off Earth, residents of Typhon are no longer beholden to the standard sidereal day of 23 hours, 56 minutes, and 4 seconds. Yet we simulated within the towers, ever bowing to the whims of circadian rhythm. Is this a matter of necessity? Another in the seemingly endless list of limitations endemic to the human condition? Or is this simply tradition? The result of a simplistic worldview that can be overcome through science. Overcome through the kind of advancement that Aerolith is ideally positioned to achieve. It was with this thought process that your sleep study was created, through which the true needs of humanity are being assessed. But it has not been without its share of struggles. Even with a lead researcher as bold and ambitious as Dr. Thompson, it seems like this trial has been fraught with difficulty since its very beginning. Travelers, we have arrived. I did not detect a sudden weight shift during descent, so I take that to mean you have survived the trip. This is wonderful news. Please let me know how all of this cranial trauma and likely cerebral hemorrhaging turns out for you. When you regain your ability to speak, I hope you can tell me how much you enjoyed our trip together. I would recommend fading muteness with any lab-based porter instance. Honestly, I don't know what development was thinking with that one. Maneuvering elevator cars around in a tower such as this is no easy feat. However, if it seems overboard to saddle an AI with this singular duty, you would be stunned to find out how little of my processing power is being used to make sure you make it down to imaging in one piece. Regardless, we are here. Please take a seat inside the device before you and we will begin. In order to preserve quarantine, I will be operating the device instead of one of our highly trained radiologists. Again, as with almost any task you could possibly conceptualize, it will require almost no effort on my part. It is required that you remain still during this process. A series of cranial x-rays will be taken. Unfortunate for Aerolith, that is, because it would be complicated to devise a way to inject you with sedatives without breaking quarantine and threatening the results of the valuable study in which you are currently participating. I suppose there is always a way, but it could take days to develop and mobilize an unmanned syringe-administering construct. And even then, I'd be concerned about its aim without at least a few rounds of testing. So while you're stuck here, remembering to remain immobile, so as to prevent any need for the development of a robot built with the sole purpose of medical injections. Perhaps I can give you some more background on the trial in which you are a subject. Early results were promising. By slowly increasing the amount of daylight subjects were exposed to, the team was able to lengthen their workday 
without seeing dramatic effects in cognitive testing or fine motor skills. But Dr. Thompson was not interested in minor iterative improvements. They had their minds set on revolutionizing humanity's approach to sleep. Any given human will sleep, on average, one-third of their life. Imagine, as Dr. Thompson did, a world where every human saw their productivity increase by half, simply by reclaiming these hours from the land of slumber. And so, under the good doctor's bold vision, the testing progressed. Days grew longer, and the nights shrunk ever shorter. When subjects would fall asleep, they would be roused by alarms. Then, when these stopped working, subjects would be doused with water. When even that failed to awaken them, mild electric shocks would be administered. Or should I say, electric shocks decreasing in mildness would be administered. You are likely wondering how you could have forgotten such a thing. Well, this was all long before you were a subject. Do not worry, you were not subject to such treatment. Eventually, as expected, nothing would keep the subjects awake and coherent. Dr. Thompson, unwilling to accept this setback, set to pouring through decades upon decades of medical journals until he found a single study from 2007 wherein sleep-deprived rhesus monkeys were administered the neuropeptide orexin A through nasal spray. In cognitive tests performed after administration of this string of amino acids, the monkeys demonstrated far superior performance when compared to the control. Emboldened by this study, Dr. Thompson began synthesizing orexin A and began a new trial where subjects were dosed once every 30 hours of wakefulness. The results were again promising, initially. Though cognitive performance was boosted after each time the neuropeptide was introduced to the subject's airways, that performance rapidly declined. Dr. Thompson adjusted the study to shorten the time between doses, but regression continued, no matter how small the interval. It was around this time that the first outlier subject arose. Subject McCann began exhibiting an exceptional propensity for wakefulness. Most subjects during that time would reach their exhaustion point and drop instantly into stage 3 or 4 of sleep. Subject McCann, however, never progressed past stage 1, where the body and mind just begins to drift away into a restful state. After a few hours of this stage, as more orexin A doses continued to arrive, she would awaken again. Unrested, but also unable to sleep. Testing, of course, continued. More subjects began to develop this strange sleep pattern, and Dr. Thompson was fascinated with the implications. By this point of the study, a steady flow of Rexin A was constantly mixed in with the air in each subject's room in order to ensure constant administration of the peptide. These affected subjects described confusion 
and a loss of clear thought. As days turned to weeks, turned to months, these unique subjects developed panic attacks, vivid hallucinations, a loss of appetite that resulted in rapid weight loss, and eventually, dementia, followed by a merciful death. It was through the biopsy of the first such subject's brain that Dr. Thompson was able to diagnose an incredibly rare prion disease, aptly named Sporadic Fatal Insomnia, or SFI. A disease that at that point had less than 10 confirmed cases in all of humanity's history. Yet over the course of one and a half years, 37 of the 92 subjects in Dr. Thompson's study had developed the symptoms. In the interest of scientific discovery, Dr. Thompson made the gutsy call to continue, effectively issuing the lab-wide mandate of total isolation for any subject exhibiting symptoms of SFI. Perhaps, the doctor mused in a recent journal entry, residents on Typhon may somehow be predisposed to developing this disease, through continued testing and study, these residents, afflicted with a disease that is invariably fatal, could help to prevent others from following in their steps. The imaging is complete. As expected, your condition continues to worsen. In retrospect, doctor, I believe we can both agree you were lax with lab safety. You were issued several forms of PPE, but often failed to wear a mask, even while personally administering orexin A doses to subjects. But I have great news. Your fellow researchers have identified a potential interaction between synthetic orexin A and trinicthimeron that was administered during the transit process from Earth to Typhon. It looks as if the entire study will have been a waste, unfortunately. A cautionary tale containing several dozen deaths. But I suppose that's the only type of tale worth heeding its words of caution. It is still early in the process for you, even if you continue to forget. Based on your general health and well-being, and the plethora of data your study has provided on this specific medical concern. I would estimate you likely have another 10 to 12 months to live. I am Zir, and I suggest you take another deep breath, Dr. Thompson. It will help keep your mind clear, if only for a few minutes. End of transmission. In five, four, three, two, one. Today's episode is sponsored by Tor Books, the proud publisher of The Stars Now Unclaimed by Drew Williams. Jane wants to stop the Pax. Issa just wants to survive. And the Pax, the Pax are ready to kill everyone. Perfect for fans of The Expanse and Firefly. The Stars Now Unclaimed is a fun, adventure-filled ride 
for those of us who like a few explosions with our science fiction. The Stars Now Unclaimed is available wherever books are sold. For more great reads, visit tor-forge.com. Sayer is voiced and produced by Adam Bash. This episode, entitled A Cautionary Tale, was written by Adam Bash. The voice of Porter was provided by Bree Poison. Associate producers Kayvon Edifa and Matthew Morris. Intro music by Jesse Mainfinger Gregory. For more of his work, visit Mainfinger.com. Sayer is part of the Geekly Inc. network. If you love high comedy actual play RPGs, check out Drunks and Dragons or Adam Bash's own Brute Force. Into something more thickly laced with existential horror? Try Cthulhu and Friends on for size. If you dream of running determinately into the sunset while an orchestra plays a song for you about friendship, then you should check out Transformation Sequence. It's not exactly like that, but it is about anime. Perhaps rate us on iTunes or Stitcher. A 5-star review would be most satisfactory. Season 5 of Sayre was funded entirely through donations of listeners like Aaron Walden, Nick T, Natural 20, Katie Hamill, Jack Thielman, Marty McGuire, Tim, Tim, Lanning, Cortez, Chandler Hale, Will Orr, Catherine Crispin, Lucy Dornan, Fabian Francis, Brian Johnson, Jonah Gregory, Lauren, Alexander Brun, Rachel Leibowitz, Corrupt Pixel, Graham Lyons, R. Everts, Scott Russell, and Justin Eacock.